Book One, Chapters Fifteen and Sixteen of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book One, Chapters Fifteen and Sixteen. Chapter Fifteen. Antigonus besieges those that were in Masada, whom Herod frees from confinement when he came back from Rome, and presently marches to Jerusalem, where he finds Silo corrupted by bribes. Now during this time Antigonus besieged those that were in Masada, who had all other necessities in sufficient quantity, but were in want of water, on which account Joseph, Herod's brother, was disposed to run away to the Arabians, with two hundred of his own friends, because he had heard that Malichus repented of his offences with regard to Herod, and he had been so quick as to have been gone out of the fortress already, unless, on that very night when he was going away, there had fallen a great deal of rain, insomuch that his reservoirs were full of water, and so he was under no necessity of running away. After which, therefore, they made an eruption upon Antigonus's party, and slew a great many of them, some in open battles, and some in private ambush. Nor had they always success in their attempts, for sometimes they were beaten and ran away. 2. In the meantime Ventidius, the Roman general, was sent out of Syria to restrain the incursions of the Parthians, and after he had done that he came into Judea, in pretense indeed to assist Joseph and his party, but in reality to get money of Antigonus. And when he had pitched his camp very near to Jerusalem, as soon as he had got money enough, he went away with the greatest part of his forces. Yet still did he leave Silo with some part of them, lest if he had taken them all away, his taking of bribes might have been too openly discovered. Now Antigonus hoped that the Parthians would come again to his assistance, and therefore cultivated a good understanding with Silo in the meantime, lest any interruption should be given to his hopes. 3. Now by this time Herod had sailed out of Italy, and was come to Ptolemais, and as soon as he had gotten together no small army of foreigners, and of his own countrymen, he marched through Galilee against Antigonus, wherein he was assisted by Ventidius and Silo, both whom Delius, a person sent by Antony, footnote, this Delius is famous, or rather infamous, in the history of Mark Antony, as Spanheim and Aldrich here note, from the coins, from Plutarch and Dio. End footnote, persuaded to bring Herod into his kingdom. Now Ventidius was at this time among the cities, and composing the disturbances which had happened by means of the Parthians, as was Silo in Judea corrupted by the bribes that Antigonus had given him. Yet was not Herod himself destitute of power, but the number of his forces increased every day as he went along, and all Galilee, with few exceptions, joined themselves to him. So he proposed himself to set about his most necessary enterprise, and that was Masada, in order to deliver his relations from the siege they endured. But still Joppa stood in his way, and hindered his going thither, for it was necessary to take that city first which was in the enemy's hands, that when he should go to Jerusalem, no fortress might be left in the enemy's power behind him. Silo also willingly joined him as having now a plausible occasion of drawing off his forces from Jerusalem, and when the Jews pursued him and pressed upon him in his retreat, 
Herod made all excursion upon them with a small body of his men, and soon put them to flight, and saved Silo when he was in distress. 4. After this Herod took Joppa, and then made haste to Masada to free his relations. Now as he was marching, many came in to him, induced by their friendship to his father, some by the reputation he had already gained himself, and some in order to repay the benefits they had received from them both. But still what engaged the greatest number on his side was the hopes from him when he should be established in his kingdom, so that he had gotten together already an army hard to be conquered. But Antigonus laid an ambush for him as he marched out, in which he did little or no harm to his enemies. However, he easily recovered his relations again that were in Masada, as well as the fortress Ressa, and then marched to Jerusalem. When the soldiers that were with Silo joined themselves to his own, as did many out of the city, from a dread of his power. 5. Now when he had pitched his camp on the west side of the city, the guards that were there shot their arrows and threw their darts at them, while others ran out in companies, and attacked those in the forefront. But Herod commanded proclamation to be made at the wall, that he was come for the good of the people and the preservation of the city, without any design to be revenged on his open enemies, but to grant oblivion to them, though they had been the most obstinate against him. Now the soldiers that were for Antigonus made a contrary clamour, and neither did permit anybody to hear that proclamation, nor to charge their party. So Antigonus gave orders to his forces to beat the enemy from the walls. Accordingly, they soon threw their darts at them from the towers, and put them to flight. 6. And here it was that Silo discovered he had taken bribes, for he set many of the soldiers to clamour about their want of necessaries, and to demand their pay, in order to buy themselves food, and to demand that he would lead them into places convenient for their winter quarters, because all the parts about the city were laid waste by the means of Antigonus's army, which had taken all things away. By this he moved the army, and attempted to get them off the siege. But Herod went to the captains that were under Silo, and to a great many of the soldiers, and begged of them not to leave him, who were sent thither by Caesar, and Antony, and the Senate, for that he would take care to have their wants supplied that very day. After the making of which entreaty, he went hastily into the country, and brought thither so great an abundance of necessaries, that he cut off all Silo's pretenses and in order to provide that for the following days they should not want supplies, he sent to the people that were about Samaria, which city had joined itself to him, to bring corn and wine and oil and cattle to Jericho. When Antigonus heard of this, he sent some of his party with orders to hinder, and lay ambushes for these collectors of corn. This command was obeyed, and a great multitude of armed men were gathered together about Jericho, and lay upon the mountains, to watch those that brought the provisions. Yet was Herod not idle, but took with him ten cohorts, five of them were Romans, and five were Jewish cohorts, together with some mercenary troops intermixed among them, and besides those a few horsemen, and came to Jericho, and when he came he found the city deserted, but that there were five hundred men with their wives and children, who had taken possession of the tops of the mountains. These he took and dismissed them, while the Romans fell upon the rest of the city and plundered it, having found the houses full of all sorts of good things. So the king left a garrison at Jericho, and came back, and sent the Roman army into those cities which were come over to him, to take their winter quarters there, 
viz. into Judea, or Idumea, and Galilee, and Samaria. Antigonus also by bribes obtained of Silo to let a part of his army be received at Lydda, as a compliment to Antonius. Chapter 16 Herod takes Sephoris and subdues the robbers that were in the caves. He after that avenges himself upon Machaerus, as upon an enemy of his, and goes to Antony as he was besieging Samosata. 1. So the Romans lived in plenty of all things, and rested from war. However, Herod did not lie at rest, but seized upon Idumea and kept it, with two thousand footmen and four hundred horsemen. And this he did by sending his brother Joseph thither, that no innovation might be made by Antigonus. He also removed his mother and all his relations who had been in Masada to Samaria, and when he had settled them securely, he marched to take the remaining parts of Galilee, and to drive away the garrisons placed there by Antigonus. 2. But when Herod had reached Sephoris, footnote, this Sephoris, the metropolis of Galilee, so often mentioned by Josephus, has coins still remaining, as Spanham here informs us. End footnote. In a very great snow, he took the city without any difficulty, the guards that should have kept it flying away before it was assaulted, where he gave an opportunity to his followers that had been in distress to refresh themselves, there being in that city a great abundance of necessaries. After which he hasted away to the robbers that were in the caves, who overran a great part of the country, and did as great mischief to its inhabitants as a war itself could have done. Accordingly he sent beforehand three cohorts of footmen and one troop of horsemen to the village Arbela, and came himself forty days afterwards with the rest of his forces. Footnote. This way of speaking, after forty days, is interpreted by Josephus himself, on the fortieth day. In like manner, when Josephus says, chapter 33, section 8, that Herod lived after he had ordered Antipater to be slain five days, this is by himself interpreted that he died on the fifth day afterwards. So also what is in this book, chapter 13, section 1, after two years is, on the second year, and Dean Aldrich here notes that this very way of speaking is familiar to Josephus. End footnote. Yet were not the enemy affrighted at his assault, but met him in arms, for their skill was that of warriors, but their boldness was the boldness of robbers. And therefore, when it came to a pitched battle, they put to flight Herod's left wing with their right one. But Herod, wheeling about on the sudden from his own right wing, came to their assistance, and both made his own left wing return back from its flight, and fell upon the pursuers, and cooled their courage, till they could not bear the attempts that were made directly upon them, and so turned back and ran away. 3. But Herod followed them, and slew them as he followed them, and destroyed a great part of them, till those that remained were scattered beyond the river Jordan, and Galilee was freed from the terrors they had been under, excepting from those that remained and lay concealed in caves, which required longer time ere they could be conquered. In order to which Herod, in the first place, distributed the fruits of their former labours to the soldiers, and gave every one of them a hundred and fifty drachmae of silver, and a great deal more to their commanders, and sent them into their winter quarters. He also sent to his youngest brother Ferrus to take care of a good market for them, where they might buy themselves provisions, and to build a wall about Alexandrium, who took care of both those injunctions accordingly. 4. In the meantime Antony abode at Athens, 
while Ventidius called for Silo and Herod to come to the war against the Parthians, but ordered them first to settle the affairs of Judea. So Herod willingly dismissed Silo to go to Ventidius, but he made an expedition himself against those that lay in the caves. Now these caves were in the precipices of craggy mountains, and could not be come at from any side, since they had only some winding pathways, very narrow, by which they got up to them. But the rock that lay on their front had beneath it valleys of a vast depth, and of an almost perpendicular declivity, insomuch that the king was doubtful for a long time what to do, by reason of a kind of impossibility there was of attacking the place. Yet did he at length make use of a contrivance that was subject to the utmost hazard, for he let down the most hardy of his men in chests, and set them at the mouths of the dens. Now these men slew the robbers and their families, and when they made resistance, they sent in fire upon them, and burnt them, and as Herod was desirous of saving some of them, he had proclamation made, that they should come and deliver themselves up to him. But not one of them came willingly to him, and of those that were compelled to come, many preferred death to captivity. And here a certain old man, the father of seven children, whose children, together with their mother, desired him to give them leave to go out, upon the assurance and right hand that was offered them, slew them after the following manner. He ordered every one of them to go out, and he stood himself at the cave's mouth, and slew that son of his perpetually who went out. Herod was near enough to see this sight, and his bowels of compassion were moved at it, and he stretched out his right hand to the old man, and besought him to spare his children. Yet did not he relent at all upon what he said, but over and above reproached Herod on the lowness of his descent, and slew his wife as well as his children. And when he had thrown their dead bodies down the precipice, he at last threw himself down after them. 5. By this means Herod subdued these caves, and the robbers that were in them. He then left there a part of his army, as many as he thought sufficient to prevent any sedition, and made Ptolemy their general, and returned to Samaria. He led also with him three thousand armed footmen, and six hundred horsemen, against Antigonus. Now here those that used to raise tumults in Galilee, having liberty to do so upon his departure, fell unexpectedly upon Ptolemy, the general of his forces, and slew him. They also laid the country waste, and then retired to the bogs, and to places not easily to be found. But when Herod was informed of this insurrection, he came to the assistance of the country immediately, and destroyed a great number of the seditions, and raised the sieges of all the fortresses they had besieged. He also exacted the tribute of a hundred talents of his enemies, as a penalty for the mutations they had made in the country. 6. By this time, the Parthians being already driven out of the country, and Pacorus slain, Ventidius, by Antony's command, sent a thousand horsemen and two legions as auxiliaries to Herod, against Antigonus. Now Antigonus besought Machaerus, who was their general, by letter, to come to his assistance, and made a great many mournful complaints about Herod's violence, and about the injuries he did to the kingdom, and promised to give him money for such his assistance. But he complied not with his invitation to betray his trust, for he did not contemn them that sent him, especially while Herod gave him more money than the other offered. So he pretended friendship to Antigonus, but came as a spy to discover his affairs, although he did not herein comply with Herod, who dissuaded him from so doing. But Antigonus perceived what his intentions were beforehand, and excluded him out of the city, 
and defended himself against him as against an enemy, from the walls, till Machaerus was ashamed of what he had done, and retired to Emmaus to Herod, and as he was in a rage at his disappointment, he slew all the Jews whom he met with, without sparing those that were for Herod, but using them all as if they were for Antigonus. 7. Thereupon Herod was very angry at him, and was going to fight against Machaerus as his enemy, but he restrained his indignation, and marched to Antony to accuse Machaerus of maladministration. But Machaerus was made sensible of his offences, and followed after the king immediately, and earnestly begged and obtained that he would be reconciled to him. However, Herod did not desist from his resolution of going to Antony, but when he heard that he was besieging Samosata, footnote, this Samosata, the metropolis of Comagena, is well known from its coins, as Spanheim here assures us. Dean Aldrich also confirms what Josephus here notes, that Herod was a great means of taking the city by Antony, and that from Plutarch and Dio, end footnote, with a great army, which is a strong city near to Euphrates. He made the greater haste, as observing that this was a proper opportunity for showing at once his courage, and for doing what would greatly oblige Antony. Indeed, when he came, he soon made an end of that siege, and slew a great number of the barbarians, and took from them a large prey, insomuch that Antony, who admired his courage formerly, did now admire it still more. Accordingly, he heaped many more honours upon him, and gave him more assured hopes that he should gain his kingdom, and now King Antiochus was forced to deliver up Samosata. End of Book 1, Chapters 15 and 16